Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation. Good day and welcome to Extreme Common Sense with your hosts, Trisden and Ray. We hope to leave some of the social polarization behind and dig into the gray area middle of society and politics. When the far left and the far right hate us, we will have succeeded. So as the intro mentioned, Trisden with Ray here, and today we join the ranks of self-important people who find themselves important enough to go pay for studio time and talk about what we want to talk about. I think that's exactly what uh, the conclusion that we reached after many sessions of going back and forth and talking about these things and thinking, wow, would anybody else like to hear this? I find it very entertaining and interesting to just sort of see, you know, we work together as a little history and now we sort of work, uh, we work a little bit together right? and, uh, and, and I do some of your advertising at your job and it's, uh, so we still continue some of these conversations that we've probably had for over a decade now. Right. So today's episode, I guess we're going to talk a little bit about ourselves to introduce uh, the world or at least our two listeners sure, that's to, right. to ourselves. <laughs> and, uh, and we're going to touch a little bit on woke culture and wokeness. And uh, our goal, I guess, is ultimately to see if we can find some middle ground. I think the problem with... Everything on social media, certainly regular media, as well as most conversations you have with folks is it's went from a very gray world where there's a lot of middle ground and a lot of nuance to a situation where you're either right or wrong and left or right. You have to get beat up. If you don't get beat up, it hasn't gone well. Yeah. So what happened to the middle? Where did the middle go? It seems to be gone. And I think that's what we're trying to do here. Um, You know, you came up with a great, uh, a great phrase of... Um, you know, trying to beat back some of that polarization and just some common sense. And if both the left and the right hate you, then you're probably doing something, you know, pretty, uh, pretty correctly. Um, and I know we're going to get into the background of each of us, but, you know, to, to be fair and honest, you'd say that probably the two of us lean a little bit leftward, but we certainly are open to hearing both sides of issues. What is wrong with that? I don't. What I, is wrong with that? I agree, and I I like to be wrong on stuff. I like to be able to. Well, what's that great old adage? Uh, we get gro- uh, we get comfort from those who agree with us, and growth from those who don't. And there's really some truth in that because you can sit here all day agreeing with me, me with you. Yeah, y- you feel good about each other or, <laughs> right? or what you have to say, but you have what have you really learned? Yeah. You know, listen to people who have a different view on things. And the problem, I think, now in 2021, as opposed to even eight, nine years ago, is there there used to at least be facts. And now we live wow. in a world with alternative facts. And, and I can and, tell you something about that, Tris, and that occurred to me. But why don't we tell people who the heck we are? Who are these two mokes talking, man? <laughs> yeah. well, 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 we'll force them to listen to, to the intro stuff. Just there believe before. we're both very, very handsome. Yeah. <laughs> Certainly a face for podcasting, perhaps. Well, that, yes. <laughs> uh, my name's Trisden. Uh, I, like Ray, uh, have uh, it transplanted to central Kentucky. I was born in California. Uh, grew up in the Cumberland Gap area. 
came to Berea College. For folks who are familiar with Berea College, it's a really good school for poor kids. And uh, I guess the goal of Berea is to sort of take kids with uh, not a lot of uh, money or um, leads in life and sort of help you grow. And they certainly... Uh, you know, look at me now. I'm on a podcast. It's a great mission. I mean, Berea <laughs> College. No, no, seriously. The yeah. mission at Berea College is wonderful. Right. So, went to Berea College, hung out in town. The town literally couldn't get rid of me. <laughs> um, so, here we are. But I think I bring, you know, I've got a lot of family uh, all over the country spread out. I've been certainly all over the country, unfortunately not all over the world, but I've, I get a lot of perspectives like i have some very very far left leaning family i have some very far right leaning family right and it's interesting like it's nice to hear these points of views and and oftentimes try to find some middle ground so anyway that's a, a little bit about me i'm married i have three dogs no children i'm <laughs> 41 years old unfortunately <laughs> and the clock does not stop and no uh, no no yeah and so just looking forward to you know my wife is sick of hearing me talk about politics and I thought yes. it's going to be a nice opportunity to come out with somebody that I know, even when we disagree, we can have a good conversation. And maybe some other folks will listen to it and think, yeah, it was interesting as well. Right. And uh, I will say, like Tristan, I am not a native Kentuckian, though this broadcast is emanating from uh, about dead center of Kentucky in the beautiful town of Bria. You can look it up on a map. If you don't know where it is, um, I grew up in New Jersey and probably still carry a little bit of that Northeastern accent, maybe maybe some Northeastern attitude. Um, but I've been here 30 years, so That's it, accurate. it has it has worn off on me. Uh, and I mean that in a good way. I'm, I'm a father of two native Kentuckians. I love this area. It's a beautiful area. And kind of to Trisden's point, you get a little of each. You know, if you go up to Lexington... It's a pretty progressive place. If you go to Irvine, not as progressive a place. So you're talking within a 50-mile span. You can really get a, a, a pretty good view of, you know, both sides, if you will. Um, but, yeah, it's just a, a politics, I would say, are a hobby of mine. And to, as Trisden says, uh, instead of just talking to each other, we figured, you know what? This podcast is a, a, a pretty much cutting edge. I, I mean, I guess not quite as cutting edge as it was I don't know, five, eight years ago? I would say it's more cutting edge. I, I think now if you're not far left, extreme uh, social views that match up to your politics, you're certainly an outcast and it's pretty rare. That was my thought. Well, it's yeah. More of a, That's true. <laughs> it's more That's true. original than maybe it would have been 10 years ago when right. normal people came to the middle. And now right. you got to pick a side for the Civil War, right? Yeah. And... Um, I am not as young as Tristan. I am actually 60. I hit 60, Tristan, so hey, the man. clock doesn't slow. I know. I don't feel it. And it's so cliche. Oh, man, I don't feel it. But it's like, wow, time's drawing down. Wow. <laughs> but um, I'm looking forward to this. And I hope that, uh, you know, I hope that we can kind of, um, you know, deliver what we think we can. It may be a work in progress, you know, so bear with us. But, um, yeah, I, I, I think that that's we're calling it extreme common sense. Maybe a subtitle would be from the right of the left to the left of the right. Pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's kind of where I think that there's just a lot lacking right now. Yeah. And, and I don't know if we can put a dent right. certainly in the polarized country, but at right. least we're a voice that we will enjoy for ourselves and maybe some other folks will join us in the middle. Right. And I think our goal is to kind of look at topics and, and maybe expand on them. Um, today we were, 
going to start with wokeness, whatever wokeness may be. Um, I think, honestly, Tristan, one of the attractions to the term is that it's not really defined. It's a vague term. So if you say, oh, those woke people there, you really haven't said anything about them. You, you can use it as a pejorative without really being nasty. What does it mean? Do you know what it means? Well, the Urban Dictionary, Ray, has woke definition as being aware of the truth behind things the man doesn't want you to know. So you're sort of awoke or woke to so, kind of the, the things behind the scenes. So you're talking Urban Dictionary, so uh, so largely used in the black community to talk about folks who sort of had some inkling that of what that situation was, perhaps, you, you know, the, the, some awareness of what their white privilege was, was a woke person. Yeah. If you had some, okay. I think that's So right. it started, like so many things started as a good thing. Right. Now became a pejorative. Well, and I don't know, Ray. I think that's the conversation. Like, is it bad now or do we just hear the fringe 10% on the edge of wokeness that, you know, everybody disagrees with on both sides? No, I mean. But you're right wing media might take that 10% and try to indoctrinate, yeah. you know, a group that's really trying to just say, okay, racism is bad. But then, again, the fringe is going to say something like, uh, you know, if you just used a term that I didn't like as a microaggression, then it becomes a linguistic racism. And I think that's where, you know, like the middle 90% of folks fall asleep and say, wokeness bad. That's the problem, right? You could probably get 75% of people to agree in the... That to be woke is not a bad thing. Woke in terms of recognizing that not everything's about you. Some folks might not have had it as well as you. Um, and, and, and that's where, where we're trying to get to. What happens on the way to that is it all gets pulled apart and used in a negative way instead of a positive way. I mean, I think the initial definition of a, of a woke person was a positive definition. And, right. and actually, Tristan... Not to put too fine a point on this, but I would say political correctness is the same thing. You know, political correctness, in my mind, came about to get rid of some of the terrible language and ideas that existed. Okay, so I am 60, which means I was born in 1960. And it's funny, I, I use that year a lot, 1960. It's like a, it's like this wonderfully de de device, not divisive, it's a, it's a great dividing point. It was when Kennedy was elected, it, the 50s and the 60s look very, very different, you know, and, and we don't have to go into that. But if you have any knowledge of history, you know that the 50s and the 60s were vastly different generations. Right. And if you start in 1960 and, 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 and come forward, there's been an enormous change. And some of that change had to do with, you know, my dad was a World War II vet in 1919. They would throw words around right. like the N-word relatively regularly. Sure. You know what? That doesn't happen today. That's good political correctness. That's wonderful political correctness. I think that was the advent of it, to remove words like that. And it was largely successful. Now, are you going to say that's a bad thing? No. No. Who's going to say it's a bad? The most ardent conservative, Rush Limbaugh, may he rest in peace, is not going to say that was a bad thing, right? Right. But somehow, to be politically correct has become this terrible thing. How? How did that happen? Well, you know, for me, I think it's media, certainly media-driven. And I will give you a Silly example. And to your point, there's so many good things that come out of being awoke or trying to understand how words affect people. But again, it gets silly today. And I'll show you this. So if folks can't see this, that uh, 
that are listening, but the it's a USA Today, which I think even fake news folks might say USA Today is probably pretty legitimate right. news. Right. The headline is how white people spilling the tea in terms of that nature is, and I quote, linguistic racism. That's insane. Linguistic racism. So, so ba- essentially, if I use Maybe a term. the first time I've heard it. Me too. And it, essentially, <laughs> if I use a term, like if a black person says, I don't know, keeping it real, that's for a 90s example, sure, because sure, sure. I'm dated right, myself. Right, right. So, and then if a white kid says, you know, I'm keeping it real, dog. Uh, Again, old uh, examples. Yeah. That becomes linguistic racism. Uh, and I just think there's, wow. a, there's a huge difference between the N-word, and it's quite a jump from taking an, you know a saying because you find it in popular culture and use it it doesn't make sense to me that that's a bad thing so i mean how is that bad so my question is who are the people who come up with terms like linguistic racism is is it the ivory tower ivy leaguers is it northeast liberals is it california liberals cuz y- you know Linguistic racism, really? My assumption is it's more nowadays media getting clicks because they know the right wing people will see that and go, oh, listen to what these lunatics are doing now. And the left wing people are going to say, oh, my gosh, what am I doing wrong now? I better jump on here to find this out. I never wanted to believe that. My my dad and his dad, my grandfather worked in the newspaper business. They It, it meant a lot. It put, it, it put food on our table. I've always been a lover of, of media and newspapers and, and now of course, uh, you know, all all the different political shows, but I'm coming around to the thought that the media is instrumental in some of it, that, you know, I'll just throw it into CNN. CNN used to be a wonderful resource. It's just an opinion place now. It's just... So much of it, for sure. So much of it, for sure, is just people's opinions. And, And so now... You know, it's kind of like the Weather Channel used to do weather, doesn't anymore. MTV used to play music, doesn't anymore. Right. There's, It's going to come around to a news source that actually does news, well, doesn't give you their opinion. I, I read something, it's been a couple weeks ago, may have been something we, you even shared with me or we may have shared with each other, that spoke about one of the worst things America Americans have done with the news, essentially from the beginning, is that where other countries, you don't sell marketing on the news. It's not about ratings. Everywhere in America, you're paid to get clicks, you're paid to get viewers, you're paid to get listeners, so it becomes entertainment. So there's a point where people are sometimes going to take the path of least resistance. And if you post, you know, another black person killed by a cop, and again, not to take away from that, it happens and it's horrific. But you know if you can find even a situation where, you know, a black person was shooting at a cop and a, black, and a cop shot back and killed him, you know you're going to get clicks. You know you're going to get shares. And it becomes, again, just uh, an easy way to make news and to make money for whatever mode your your medium of media is. And I think, yeah, that's it's, it's obviously a bad situation when it's not on the up and up all the time. Yeah, and and that blending and blurring of entertainment and news is not new anymore. It probably started in the 90s, maybe as far back as the 80s. But, you know, Walter Cronkite was there just to deliver the news. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't about clicks. Now, I suppose there are people who would say, right, but they controlled everything and that news was biased. I think that's where that notion of liberal bias came from in that 
Cronkite, before him, Murrow, they had a built-in audience that they knew um, was most of America, and whatever they delivered was looked at as burning bush gospel. And there were some people who were like, ah, you know, that's really only one side. The other side's not that well represented. You know, to, to be fair, right? To to try and find that middle ground. Um, you know, conservatives are they wrong? It's funny. I've got a a good buddy of mine who says that he gets a kick out of people saying, "Well, you know, journalists are liberal, yes, and bankers are conservative." You know, by their nature, if you're a conservative person, you're probably gravitating to banking, to accounting. Those are kind of conservative undertakings. If you're a journalist, you're probably a little more broad-minded. You ask a lot of questions. You probably tend towards a little more of a progressive view. That's kind of a natural thing. And everybody's like, well, the media is a bunch of liberals. Yeah, they probably do lean left because of the nature of what they do. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And I would say certainly nationally, most journalists who travel the world for stories, you're exposed to a lot of different things that maybe folks that yes. aren't exposed That's to. your job. Right. Yeah. So, and I think you do tend to be a bit more compassionate the more folks you are um, exposed to. You know, one of the, the reasons I feel I like agree. I'm not far right or certainly in the middle is that when you grow up dirt poor and when you grow up on food stamps and welfare checks and fuel assistance and Section 8 housing, you tend to lose the that I'm morally superior feeling that you sort of get sure. from right-wing news. Sure. So yeah, it is it it's it's a tough um tough medium to find when you've seen both sides of it. I that's the well that's another whole kettle of fish but morally superior. That's funny, Tristan. We could add that. We don't we didn't have it in our uh, description of the show, but I I you know, maybe we will get to meet some of you folks. I don't think that you'd find I I'll take myself out of it. It's always pretentious to talk about yourself, but I have known Tristan for I don't know, the better part of two decades, and definitely not any mere moral superiority. I, I no. mean, we don't live our lives that way. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, and yeah. there's too much of that, too, I think, left and right. Yeah. You know, you know, to disagree is fine. You should disagree. But you also have to disagree allowing the person with whom you're disagreeing a chance at redemption, a chance at... But that doesn't happen. Right. It's, it's just... Our side's good, your side's yes. bad, and that's from both sides. And that's moral superiority. Correct. That's that's the definition of it. Yeah. You know? And I, I, I've tried to eliminate that. And I, I mean, I think it's probably either are or you aren't but even where i find myself a little bit like yeah you know i'm 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 i mean in the interest of full disclosure since this is our first show i was pretentious enough when i moved to kentucky to think to to look at some kentuckians and think i wonder if they could make it where i'm from the new york area well that's morally pretentious so stop doing that right yeah. You know, and I think I've stopped doing that. Yeah. But when I was first here, I did some of that, yeah. you know? Well, and, and to that point, you know, <laughs> I mentioned I was born in California and raised until I was five or six before we came, you know, kind of to the South. And my dad still lives in California. So one of the things, you know, I'll go visit every couple of years and I'll see family. And, you know, my family has known me all my life, but you'll go to an Albertsons or a grocery store and somebody will just hear you say Kentucky. And it's just like, oh, you know, those, you know poor Republican idiots. And you just get this, well, no, not exactly. You know, that's uh, 
pretty stereotypical to be such a woke, you know, you're such a woke state and you know all these things. Exactly. And, and you're exactly. equally dumb on a different, you know, and we're all a little blind. So, but. so let's move 3,000 miles to New Jersey where my family still lives. My brother actually lives in the house that he and I grew up in, a little town called Pumpton Plains. Tommy teaches English literature, has for 30 years, Verona High School. And there is a mission trip that comes to Eastern Kentucky. And when he brings up that his brother lives in Kentucky, the kids chuckle. Now, again, these are these woke kids. Right. Whose parents, you know, what are you chuckling at? You've yeah. never even been here. Right. It's, it's that stereotype that is an unfair stereotype that they have. And, you know, uh, screw you, you know, right. you, know <laughs> yeah, no, dare you, exactly. sort of, you know? Yeah, no, no question. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and and again, it's the exact same thing on the California side. Like, there's certainly plenty of both political parties and people who are affluent and people who are not. You know, and it, that's yeah. Kentucky. People forget that about California, right? So, uh, uh, what was that? You know, I, I I don't have the number at the top of my head, but it's millions and millions who voted for Trump. Californians, millions, right? Because it's such a huge state. You yeah, know? yeah. So it is always ridiculous when you see folks try to uh, paint. You know, this state is a red state when it's. 5248. You know what I mean? It's just yeah. it, it oh, gotcha. kind of silly. Yeah. But, but keeping it, I guess, with the woke woke culture woke a little theme, bit. Woke culture. Yeah, the wokeness. So is it again, it had good roots. Is it still good or is it not good now because it's taken on such a, a well, life of didn't it also um not necessarily lead to cancel culture? It's been around. I mean, our, our Bill Maher was canceled, you know, twenty years ago. But it also sort of gave rise to that notion of cancel culture, right? Like, like one of the so if, so if woke is used as a pejorative, it's used as a pejorative because the people who are using it are saying, "Well, next they're going to cancel me." Right. So it's really become that now. Right now, and I will say the wokeness folks, there is some cancel culture there, but it's on the other side. I mean, ask the Dixie Chicks right. if it's only a left wing thing. It's a left wing thing. It's a right wing. Sure. Thing. It's you know. Both sides, if you know, everybody's so offended. They like to paint that on the woke folks, but both sides are extremely offended by anything they don't like. That's right? exactly a, right. Yeah, yeah. And and that's where you do have, you know, you do have a problem. And and the and the sense of humor goes away. You know. And I would actually say, Tristan, again, we can try and be as objective as we can. Look at at all this, but. Uh, it seems right now in America, the left has less sense of humor than almost anybody else. The far left, what what might be called the leftists, and, and there's probably a distinction actually between leftists and liberals. Sure, right, absolutely. Uh, I mean, the far leftists, the socialists, the Marxists, whatever. Man, they're pretty humorless people. Well, you uh, and again, trying to keep it in the middle, uh, you'd have to say the same thing about the far right. Yeah, I suppose you would. I mean, if you tune in any late night comedy show, you're not going to find a lot of right wing comedians. No. But but to your point, it's both sides. Like, both sides on the edges of the bell curve don't find it funny. Like, they're not – they're both a joyless group, right? Like, the far left and the far right, they're so always looking for something to be mad about and to be – you know, to feel victimized. Like, there's not a lot of comedy there. Yeah, and why is it just seemingly getting worse and how – other than this podcast, how is that gap ever going to be narrowed? How is that gigantic canyon ever going to get crossed where it's just, you know, you got to score your points and you have, you know, it's tribal, man. You've got tribes now. It's tribal. And my answer, and I've had this conversation so many times, 
you're going to have to have, we're going to have to live in a world where there's facts again. We just can't live in a world where if I like this particular politician, pick your side, I can literally find everything I want for it, you know, to, to like him. Like if somebody says he's a rapist and spent time in jail and then another website's going to say, you know, he was a deacon in his church and, you know, spent all this time doing charity work. I mean, it's, people can find whatever they want online. I mean, where we have to have a reality before we can find middle ground and there's no more, no more reality because we're not working off the same set of facts. But I'll tell you, I said earlier, I'll tell you something funny, a a revelation, I guess, if you will. Uh, So we, we, we want to, you know, the general, we uh, want to put fake news at the feet of Trump, right? Because he sort of, you know, he kind of created that notion of fake news. But and I know you'll have this reference because I know you're a fan of his. And I like Jon Stewart very much. But isn't wouldn't it be a somewhat fair critique to say the man came up with a concept, you know, if news when news breaks, we fix it. Where and and he's a comedian and he was doing that show, but people were tuning in to get their news from John Stewart. It's almost like fake news sort of started with his version of the Daily Show, kind of. Man, that's a good point, right? Yeah. It, it occurred to me, Tristan, when I was CNN is doing a, a, a late night, a, a late night uh, series, okay. and it's been great all the way back to Steve Allen and Jack Parr and Johnny, and they came up to present day, and they were showing that, and it sort of occurred to me watching that, like Stewart really was the inventor of fake news not not, funny, not really right. hbo had not necessarily the news and that stuff but he perfected it right yeah, and had the agree. correspondence well, and it, you know and there was always political jokes like you know going back to the steve parr and certainly carson letterman uh, you know in, in these eras but yeah i think uh, stewart may have been one of the first to do it also partisan right like yeah, pretty letterman partisan. and leno these yeah. guys were yeah, gonna make really- fun of but whoever's president. They did. So it was, you know, they're all going to take a shot. Uh, that's an interesting evolution too, you know, because really if you, because you just said before, you don't really see conservatives in late night, but I don't think the predecessors necessarily gave their hands away quite as much. I mean, there's no doubt we're Oh, they were, yeah, they had their views and certainly there were some liberals there and probably some conservatives. But, but you, I mean, there's no doubt where Stephen Colbert is. Sure. There's no doubt where Jimmy Kimmel is. So, yeah. you know, maybe that's not the best innovation maybe there should be a little less of that kind of partisan piling on yeah and and i think it makes it tough too for both sides i mean to your point earlier it's hard to give a little bit when the other side's not right i think that's what's polarized well fair when both sides are man i can't give them a point because they're not giving us one and then it just becomes that is very true we know we're wrong but we can't say we're wrong because these a-holes aren't going to say they're wrong well and you heard that Time and time and time again over the four years of the Trump presidency. And there may be plenty of people out there who love Trump. And there were some, and we have family members who did. And there were some things that he got done that were fine. But it was a crazy time just because you were always so tense and edgy. But you would hear reporters say, you know, behind the scenes, there were a lot of people who disagreed with the president. But no one would say that. Right. You know? <laughs> well, great. Then, then, then nothing's going to happen. Right. Well, and I think, and, and that's part of the problem. It, it's become so cultish. And, and maybe this goes back certainly before Trump, but, you know, nobody in either political party is going to really come out and take a president to task. Right. We, and I get it. We're in the same tribe, but we're going to have to, right? We're going to have to prove to the, maybe the dumb voting public that your guy's wrong sometimes. Well, and it's not a 100% right to 100% wrong issue on either side. You know that great term, Nixon goes to China? 
That yeah. was Richard Nixon in 72 before he got in trouble. And, you know, China was an, uh, was an up-and-coming power, and, and they were flexing their muscle a little bit. And obviously the left didn't like it, but it wasn't really up to the left. There had to be a conservative who stepped up and said, man, you know, we, we got to deal. We got to deal with these folks. And he did. He stepped up and, you know, went to China. So it was a Nixon goes to China, someone who you wouldn't think would take that step, right. took that step. And that's what that's what you're going to have to find now in American society. And I, I, I can tell you, I don't think it'll be Mitch McConnell, just saying. <laughs> yeah, no. And, and, and again, I think, you know, there's probably a great case to be made for Mitch McConnell is single-handedly killed politics, right? Because he's Oof. the first person to kind That's of... That's a tough charge, but man. He's the first... Well, okay, in my lifetime, he's the first <laughs> to really just come out and say, I think at least most politicians will play the game of, well, we're going to do what's right. And it just so happens it always is it the way they boom. vote. McConnell came out and said, I am not voting for Obama. I don't like him and right. I don't want, I want any of his agenda accomplished. And I want him to be a one-term president. Which right. that, and, that was that's probably new. To, to say it yeah. that blatantly. Yeah, right. I mean... Mitch is a Mitch is an amazing politician in that he he is upfront about what he's going to do and you know the 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 hubris of I mean that wonderful you know you get caught up in 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 the event so you don't really get the historical perspective it'll have to take 20 or 50 or 100 years but when they look at that blocking of um Garland and putting Gorsuch on the Supreme Court I mean just sheer Beauty, if you love Mitch, and sheer right. you, SOB, if you don't. And there's really, like, no middle ground. Yeah. I mean, that's about as polarizing as you could be, because how do you find middle ground on that? I mean, he just stood there with his middle finger up saying, <laughs> "Yeah, what sorry gonna, about your luck, guys. What are you going to do? Yeah, what are you going to do? And they and yeah. did nothing. But again, that goes to the whole point of our show, which is everything is so polarized, you can literally act in such a way with your own party and then completely different with the other and not be held to task or, yes. you know, nobody will say, okay, that's a piece of garbage. Because it do. had to be somebody from his party that would have said it, right? right. There had to Correct. be somebody, John Cornyn, uh, some, somebody who, who was in power in the Republican Party to say, man, this isn't right. But they didn't. Yeah. And nor would Democrats say it about Pelosi, right? Yeah. Or if they do, they get shunned. Right. You know? Yeah. And so there's that. I mean, it's difficult. It's very difficult. Yeah. So uh, I know we're, we're probably running just a little bit short on time, but going back to woke culture and sort of uh, all the, the political correctness is, uh, you know, how do you stand up to it, right? What do you what do you do when you know things are taken too far, at least, you know, for the average person? Like, how do you say, okay, this is still a good thing. Like, there's still some good principles here. But we've got to back off some of the craziness. Like, well, what, what's the answer? I, you know, I hope, Tristan, over the ensuing weeks that you and I can maybe find a little bit of that truth to, to you know, with a gun held to my head to tell you how to do it. And in a few minutes time, I don't know. I think conversation, I think you have to talk a little bit. And, and, and a huge part of it is realizing that there is good and bad on both sides, right? Sure. And, and, and I will say I've been guilty of that as a, a person whose politics do lean somewhat left that I might have been dismissive of things on the right. But then I turn around and say, you know, there's huge parts of my life that are conservative. I, I, I think I raised my children in a conservative way. I think education, you know, is I hate to sound like somebody out of the 40s, let alone the 70s, but you know, sit down and shut up. It's not the worst way to learn, right? You know, for an eight or 10 year old to worry about, you know, their self-image, that'll come. First, you have right. to learn some things. Yeah. 
not all conservatism is bad. Pretty conservative as relates to money, uh, you know, morals and so forth. So yeah, there's good and bad. But I, again, those extremes, they just take it and shake it and make it so, you know, they almost make it where you want to pick on them. Right. If you, again, may he rest in peace. If you think about Limbaugh, it's almost like he was setting himself up to be smacked. Right. He just wanted to make you angry. Yeah. Stop trying to want to make people angry. How's yeah, that for no, a place I, I, to start? And that's probably one of the biggest <laughs> things. I mean, when you look at what happened on January 6th, it probably goes without uh, description needed. You know, when you create political armies as opposed to uh, voters, you know, this stuff is bound to happen and yes. it's going to get worse. You know, if both sides continues to pretend like it's uh, a black and white thing and right. there's not a lot of, you know, if you're painting half the country as bad people – Bad things are going to happen on both sides. Yeah, no, that's and and that is where we are. That that is certainly true. I mean, that whole blue red thing. I think Tim Russert came up with it back in two thousand, which was wonderfully descriptive. But now, you know, when it falls into um, those two categories, and that, and that's all you see, that is not good. So, are we winding down a first ever podcast? How about that, Ray? Yes. And I'm going to pay at least uh, three people to listen, so I feel like that's uh, it's going to be pretty great. Should we thank our producer? Hey, absolutely, Troy. What it, a wonder, it, wonderful, just help. a great job. I mean, it's it's um it, it's really been fun. It was a long time coming. Probably you probably wouldn't know that by this show because it <laughs> wasn't terribly scripted. But um, you know, we're just kind of shooting ideas out there, and uh, I guess we would love some feedback. Oh man, some feedback would be absolutely great. And you can check us out on Facebook. Just Facebook search uh, Trisden and Ray Extreme Common Sense, and hopefully we'll pop up. There's not a lot of Trisdens, if you spell that correctly, T-R-I-Z-D-O-N. T-R-I-Z-D-O-N. Extreme yes, Common Sense, and, and yeah, you'll definitely find and that. And Ray, just like a ray of sunshine. And ho- an hopefully one. we'll have some cool guests in the future. Yes. Hopefully we can really get uh, get into the meat and bones of some of these topics. And I know this one, yeah, we, we, we went unscripted and, and went all over the place. But uh, yeah, I think we're going to have some fun with it, and, and hopefully you folks will tune in and check us out. Yes, and hit us again at Facebook. Give it to them one more time. Yeah, Facebook, that is Trisden and Ray, Extreme Common sense on facebook and ray will specifically answer all your messages (laughs) i gotta figure out how to get on facebook thank you thanks thanks for listening to extreme common sense with tristan and ray we hope you had fun and look forward to taking on another topic next week